Right on. Welcome to Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 72 for Thursday, January 26th, 2012. I am Bill Wadman. And I am Dan Gottesman. On a delay. Yeah, like you like that? that? That's yeah, for that pa- pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> was, it, was it dramatic? Did it feel dramatic? It was good. In the uh, world of comedy, they call that a beat. Ah, yes, one beat. I beated it in. Which, you know, it, the people who understand what that means know exactly what it means, but then there are people who don't get it. You know, There's it's kind of like people who, it's like white people who clap on one and three. <laughs> what you got against white people, bro? <laughs> uh, you were in Iowa, so that's why we're late, right? Well, if you want to summarize it so quickly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apologies to our listeners who expect a weekly offering from us. Uh, I have been visiting with my family in uh, Iowa, a little town called Fairfield, uh, since Monday. My grandmother is 96 years old. 96. 96. It's old. And, uh, you know, we got to take uh, take the chances to see her and hang out with her when we can. Sure. Uh, while they still exist. And so my dad and I had a good window of opportunity in our schedules. Uh, and so we took it. And here I am back, back. I just got back literally hours ago, not even five hours ago. I was in the air hurtling through the atmosphere falling. Well, I wouldn't say falling only a jet engine to keep you aloft. Right. And an <clears throat> aluminum tube. Uh, speaking times. of crashing and burning. Uh-huh. Uh, Kodak. Oh yeah. Poor you Kodak. Like that segue. I like that. I, but it's so dramatic. I mean, you really think it was a crash and burn? I think it was more of like a... Fizzle. Like a glacial, you know, like uh, like a giant spaceship that hit the ground and needed like 80 miles to slow down. You know, it was going yeah. so, so fast. And it, you know, it took a long, long time. Like, it took like two days for the thing to lose momentum finally and slow down and stop. I mean, it's just crazy because... Well, first of all, mm. this is... Kodak was huge. Yeah. You know, I mean, they huge. were <clears throat> huge. Yeah. Enormous. I mean, blue chip stock, probably oh, one of yeah. the top 10 companies in the United States. And They're, yeah, cutting uh, edge. They, they invented digital cameras. Sure. And they were like, you know, kings, not, well, definitely kings of uh, early uh, mass production cameras and film. Sure. I mean, they, they braced it. I think, it, you know, Kodak is responsible for putting cameras into the hands of the consumer. You know they 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 are in some ways anyway. the ultimate uh, buggy whip example. You know. Oh yeah, sure, sure. There you go. Uh, but you know, I wrote a I wrote a blog post about this. Did you read this blog post I wrote the other day? I think I did. In fact, I think I helped you with a little bit of proofreading on that one. Oh right, right, right. Because I had the its wrong in a couple of places. Yeah, you you have your its issues. Well, I know the difference. I just am typing fast and trying to get it down. I know. Um, <clears throat> it, it's it. People always talk about film. As if it's always going to be there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could ever say that it's never, like, never. Well, yeah, like, you, you can't get it even if you, like, are willing to spend anything you want on it. Yes. It's, I think it's safe to say that there will always be some film somewhere. Well, w- with the internet, there's always everything somewhere. Yeah. Um, but as far as easily accessible, uh, not cost prohibitive, you know, uh, walk down the street get your stuff picked up and processed and you know blah 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 I, that those days are numbered <laughs> I yeah think, uh, i mean like really numbered like yeah. like i mean okay so kodak basically all they have left 
is a whole bunch, a big patent portfolio. Yeah. Which is a huge patent portfolio and a, and a very obviously uh, valuable one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that somebody said around $5 billion worth of patents. Mm. But you know what? Apple's got $100, million bu- $100 billion. They mm-hmm. could just go buy the Gold, entire Kodak Tom. patent pool. <laughs> Yeah, and then might. like sue everyone out of existence, and the only thing we can buy are like Apple branded everything on Earth. You know, oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. They're not. They wouldn't do that. I think what Apple would do is just license it. Apple never licenses stuff. They just sure. sue people. But anyway, the point is, is that like it's just kind of crazy that this huge company is left, and all they can do now in this bankruptcy thing is basically search for somebody to buy their crown jewels, which just yeah. kind of seems weird to me. It's kind of like the only thing I have left is my house. But I'm in debt, so I have to sell my house to pay the debts. And it's like, well, then you have absolutely nothing. Yeah, it sucks. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's a little scary and sad. It is a little sad. Um, but uh, my question is, mm. I mean, they're in bankruptcy protection, right? Which doesn't mean that they're actually shuttering things up. It just means that they're in accountant process of dealing with the fact that they have no money. Um but I wonder if it'll lead to them actually stopping making film. Yeah, I, I mean, if I had to, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure all, it will in the next five years, but will it in the next year? I don't know. I don't know anything about this stuff, but I can, I can, if I had to guess, yeah. that would be my guess. That's scary and terrifying. Well, it's sad more than anything else. I mean, it's not like it's a big surprise, <clears throat> is it? I mean, you're not surprised, are you? No, I mean, I've I've written about the subject a number of times, but no. you know, it's it's one of the things I said in this post was that everyone always says that it's a lot like records because, you know, vinyl went away yeah, it's and then different, vinyl though. came back. I think it's a very different thing because you know what? It's not about just buying the film and taking the pictures. It's about the processing. Yeah. And the processing is not like the kind of thing the average person is going to do. I mean, black and white. Sure. But like C41 and E people do E6 well, at home, but like here, here's, here's something else to consider. <clears throat> uh, the, the thing that, you know, some people might not fully be aware of is that Kodak had a number of things happening outside of the professional, you know, like the stuff that you and I saw. I mean, they have a whole range of stuff that they did just for the government, you know, yes, and just for science stuff. Contracting and yeah, stuff. Yeah, lots of stuff like that. And then, you know, and then there's all these really cool, um, you know, like mechanical, like you said, like all these cool patents and stuff like that, that they did that might have... Um, some relevancy somewhere. So I, I don't know. The other thing that, that just strikes me is that I know um, all of the big name cinematographers still, you know, prefer shooting on film. I mean, obviously as digital cinema, you know, the, I mean, Ari just released that right. new Alexa camera, which from what I've seen and heard is amazing, <clears throat> but that's still a really, it's like, it's like a first gen and it just came out. So, I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not as, taking as that over. stuff gets better, it's going to be fine, but, there are people who still like the film. I mean, Spielberg. I don't think has any ever has shot anything digital. Has he? I don't know. But but yeah, I mean, you that's, know what? But that's my have point. No choice. Yeah. I mean, but with I think I, if I had to just put a random number on it, I would I would guess it like ten years. I would say within ten years, it's going to flip flop, and and the majority of big budget, you know, big name Hollywood pictures are all going to be shot digitally. I um, say three years. Okay. I think it's changing a lot faster than you think. No, I mean. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with how with how quickly it's changing. It's definitely changing quickly, but just because something is new doesn't mean it's going to be adopted that quickly. You know? No, no, no. I, I mean, I think people are starting to adopt it because I mean, uh. I think it's just so much cheaper and so much easier 
Um, yeah, but it doesn't look the same, dude. Yeah, but it looks pretty damn good. It, it's in some ways, there. it actually it's looks better. It's getting know? there for sure. Um, but uh, well, we'll see. It's, no, it, it's it it is interesting, and then, and then the other thing is that like film production. Like I, I kind of made the thing. Okay, so vinyl records, you get some vinyl blanks, like those little six-inch diameter, one-inch little chunks of vinyl. You ever right. see the original, like before, before they it gets them? pressed? Yeah, they're like little hockey pucks. Yeah, exactly. And um, pancakes. I think they call them pancakes, <laughs> don't they? They make them pancakes. I think they, they isn't that like don't they call them pancakes? Maybe oh, is that the is that the, uh, the the slang? The slang, yeah. I think so. The industry jargon. I think. Um, so. But they they press them, and and all you really need is this big giant hydraulic press you know these things that have been around for 40 years and probably they're all original from 40 years ago yeah more um, than that probably uh, speaking uh, remind me i have something else to, okay. to bring up but before but like with film it's ve- i mean this is a chemical process this is a very particular kind of thing and the longer the run the more consistent they can make it you know what i mean it's true uh, and so the, the, I mean, you get into those kinds of problems too, which is the problems that that Impossible Project was having. They were like, "Oh, we'll just buy all the gear and get the people and start making Polaroid film again." Mm-hmm. But the first batches were terrible because yeah. they didn't know what they were doing, right? Of you know, it's not, so it's not like somebody could come in and pick up Kodak's system and just make. Oh, right. we'll just make. 10,000 rolls instead of 10 million rolls. No, they were like, like, no, it almost, work that way. Almost literally reinventing the wheel. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, like even Timothy Greenfield Sanders, uh, when I was over there, you know, last year and I, w- I was talking and he's like, yeah, I asked Kodak to custom cut me 11 by 14 sheets of film and they won't even custom cut it for me. Mm. Like he has money to burn and right. they won't do it. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. It's sad, but it's interesting. It I is. wonder if Fuji will keep if if Kodak stops making film. I wonder if Fuji will continue to and sort of monopolize the thing. It could be, you know. And there's also Agfa, you know. Overseas. Agfa's out of business, but there is Ilford. And Ilford, but Ilford doesn't make color film, do they? No, they yeah. make black and white. They only do black uh, and so white. it's it's really pretty much Ilford on black and white and Fuji. Agfa oh. went out of business years ago. I didn't know that. Yeah, Somebody they, they make them. the Scala. Mm. No, they stopped making it. They made that Scala film that I absolutely adored. Mm. Um, with the black and white slide film, but anyway, it's 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 just very interesting, and, and the fact that I can go down the street and get film processed, it kind of makes me want to shoot more film while I can, you know. Yeah, you just so there's two things you reminded me of. We'll, we'll go in reverse order. Okay. Speaking of film, so while I was uh, away, you know, my father and I are the ones who took the trip out to to Iowa, and uh, you know, whenever I spend some quality time with dad, we you know we talk about all kinds of random things and. Uh, I kind of forgot about this, but I gave him my old D70. Oh, yeah. How does he like it? You know, he, he's having a blast. Uh, he has always been a little behind the curve as far as the technology factor is concerned. He likes really squeezing the most out of uh, out of whatever. I mean, he's still running Windows XP right. on, a six, on a six-year-old Pentium of some sort. Um, and, you know, his and it suits his needs. I mean, it isn't broken, and it does what he needs to do, and, and he's happy. So, you know, he has the D70 and he's, you know, he's, I'm teaching him how to shoot, you know, with raw and, you know, he's, he's no stranger to photography. He gets it. I mean, he's the one who showed me the basics way back when, right. um, he just, he, the only thing he hasn't fully gotten a, a grasp of yet, and it's only because he hasn't really put the time in is, is just the whole raw processing workflow, you know, yeah. as far as like, um, unfortunately none of his machines are capable of running, um, Lightroom, 
Um, so he's he's using the workaround is to use uh, uh, Adobe Camera Raw, which isn't bad. It's basically okay. you know Lightroom. same engine. Yeah, Lightroom in a in a in a single window. And uh, and he likes working on stuff one at a time. Anyway, that's that's just the way his brain works. Didn't your mother have a MacBook or something you can give him? Well, yeah, that's just it. So I gave him my sister's old iBook G4. My, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to give him my mom's old MacBook because it's a white one and it, those things are just notoriously evil. And uh, you know, the last thing I want is for him to get into it and then it fails and then I have to deal with it. Right, but at least it's Intel. Probably be a little faster than yeah, the G4 now. Maybe. And uh, there's also some politics between my mom and my dad as far as that's gotcha. concerned. So I'm okay. just going to, you know, giving him, he bought my sister's iBook for her, you know, years ago. So it's, Point it's, taken. All right. So he's yeah. playing with your sister's I, uh, iBook. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about stuff and, you know, he likes shooting and, and um, we were talking about it and I kind of forgot that he has this massive collection of slides from when he was most active shooting like from the mid 60s to the mid 70s i mean like if i did ballpark it i would i mean just from visual memory i would guess that he probably has 20 or 30 carousels all on a shelf somewhere and then on on top of that like another huge box like a banker's box full of those little yellow kodak slide boxes that hold what you know 24 or 36 sure a piece and i am i mean just and the thing is full like you know packed so that's got to be another you know box hundreds of hundreds of frames so i would guess it's probably you know 500 two and five thousand frames oh that um, many okay oh yeah yeah hundreds 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 so the the question you know we were th- we were talking about it and it's like and and that, those are the edits too he's like i threw stuff away you know yeah. like a like a crazy person you know i would I, you know i would shoot 33 35 shots and you know take two away if i was lucky sometimes um so you know all the carousels were relatively well curated and Selects. edited yeah. yeah um so we were talking about it and we were like we should probably preserve these at some you know cuz who you know no no one's going to want to sit down and set up a stupid slide projector and watch slides anymore not like they used to so uh, i started doing a little bit of research and i think i'm going to pitch to him um, sending it out and having them scanned sure. by have you a service. The prices of that, I have, I have, and it's a what little, it's a little expensive. It looks like the average price for a decent service is about forty cents a piece. Um, okay, depend, and, it, and you know the prices vary depending on the size of the file that you want. Right, you know, if you want a higher, and, re- and then they have, diff- they have different scanners that you can ask for if you want like a the higher end scanner. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit more expensive. You know what? There's a thing that when it comes to the scanning um, that always drives me nuts mm. is how they refer to the file size by the file size. Oh, it's a 24 megabyte file. Right. It. I mean, okay. That's if you're shooting, if you're, if you're saving it as an completely uncompressed TIFF, right? Sure. It would be yeah. the equal age time, but like, that it, it's so it's kind of silly and meaningless sounding nowadays, you know. Just because, like, why don't you tell me the resolution? Don't tell well, me the file. They, size. they tell you the resolution too, you know. But it's a lot like of times, a three thousand by four thousand file or whatever. Okay, well, that see that I whenever I see it, it always says, "Oh, twenty four meg file, twelve meg file." It's like, what does that even mean? I don't no. know what that means. No. I didn't, you know what I mean? Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the alternative would be to actually purchase our own slide scanner and do it all manually. Sure, there's got to be some on eBay. There are plenty, and you can get them for as little as three or four hundred bucks, or as you know, as much as five thousand bucks, depending on again how much you want to spend. My brother-in-law had a Minolta one. 
Yeah, Minolta and Nikon were the mm-hmm. ones that I was the most familiar with as far as the, the little guys. And then, you know, there's higher-end ones that can do 4x5 and It's larger. very time-consuming, though. But that's the thing. It's like, I'm wondering, man. So, like, let's even if we get a really good deal on a nice one for, like, five or 600 bucks, <coughs> that's still a ton of work for somebody yeah. to do. And, and I'm not, once I mean, you once you do it, the, you're not going to do anything with the damn slide scanner. You're going to end up selling well, it on eBay again. Yeah, you could sell it on eBay, get your money back, but that's... That's not. I mean, that's not. So wait. So how do. much are these? Forty cents, and you say there's thousands of these things. Hundreds, at least. Hun- I mean, I, I, we'd have to get it. I'd have to. Let's go say back. a thousand. So sure. that's four hundred dollars to get them scanned. Right. Well, you know what? Spend the four hundred dollars and get them scanned. That's yeah. I'm leaning towards that. So I'm going to pitch that to him when uh, when next we talk about it. You know, but my, I, it was my, an interesting idea. You know, my mother, you know, moved out of my childhood home, and and all of our pictures are <clears throat> in like these you know, shoebox standard kind of things. Mm-hmm. And not that I need to scan every single picture, mm-hmm. but I'd like to get my hands on those and just kind of flip through and just drop it on the scanner. Boom, scan. You know what I mean? Like, sure, okay, sure. flip, 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 drop it on the scanner. Um, if only just to have them somewhere else, because right now they're in a shoebox in a storage thing, you know? And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, well, who knows what could happen, you know? And then th- those are the only copies of those pictures. Um, it's tricky, it really is. So, so, you, so your father might do this. That's kind of neat. Yeah, we'll see. I'll, uh, I mean, yeah, scanning I, slides I'm, is a little easier than scanning negatives because you don't have to actually worry about color as much. Right. I guess so. Sure. Because <clears throat> it's already sort of pre. Yeah, it's kind pre-day. of accurate. As I mean, it, you're going to want to make probably make minute adjustments on a per image basis anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, I, but it's easier to uh, t- to get it ballpark it where a lot of times with negatives the color of the substrate the sort of orangish. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's very thing, hard to compensate for. The other thing is the physical aspect of it. I mean, the fact that the slides are mounted means you can you can stick them into a bulk loader and just let the machine do the work. Yeah, you know. Whereas course. with negatives, I mean, they're they're loose and you're lucky, you know, they get cut up so you can only do, what, six at a time at most? Yeah, and, um, and, the, and the, uh, the loaders, too. I mean, that's the kind of equipment that the service would have that you yeah, wouldn't have. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, make your life a whole lot easier. So that's we'll, kind of cool. We'll keep All an right, eye so on that. All right, so what was so, the so other thing? The other thing, uh, I, so I was stumbling across your favorite... Uh, photo web blogger ken rockwell ken rockwell Uh, sure yeah his uh his website and he mentioned something sort of apropos to what we were just talking about and apparently the the guy who started groove tubes uh which is an audio you know kind of a they they used to be a boutique audio company that made like you know preamps and i think they make some microphones in fact i believe i'm speaking into a groove tubes branded microphone uh, Are you? I thought you thought you used uh, Audio Technica. No, it's a. Uh, what does it say on here? Yeah, it's got the GT logo on it. It's the okay. Groove Tubes AM52. Okay, um, which was actually re resold by Alesis. Ah, uh, there you go. And then I got it on Super Sale when Groove Tubes, uh, I guess, stopped making them ten or fifteen years ago. Um, it, you know, it's a fine sounding mic. Anyway, uh, apparently this dude bought all of GE's General Electric. Um, tube production equipment, like the actual gear that you need to make tubes from GE when GE, you know, got out of the tube making business, I don't know, 20 years ago and now this guy is selling it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so there's a tube factory for sale. (laughs) Who is buying that? Uh, I don't know. He's put, he's putting it up though. So it says here, uh, original general electric tube production line for the GE 6L6GE 
and 6CA 7GE tubes. I know the 6L6s are the ones that are, you know, famous for being used in guitar amps and stuff like that. Um, A lot of those tubes, they already had, there was such a huge surplus of them anyway. Yeah. Like, I remember there was, because I was a pretty dorky audiophile for a while. Mm -hmm. And I remember not just, like, the the big tube stuff, but then there were companies uh, who started buying up all these, like, little Russian tubes and stuff. Sure. And putting them in their uh, preamp stages of, of all kinds of gear. Sure. And they were these little, I mean, they were an inch tall, like, or, you know, or less. Yeah, yeah, they were like yeah. these little tiny well, bumblebee sized. My dad was a ham radio operator, and back in the 60s and 70s, th- it was standard practice for those guys to build their own stuff. So we yeah. had a, she had like shoeboxes full of all kinds of random. Sure. In fact, there's, there are dudes out there that, that still collect tubes and more cool, if you ask me, <clears throat> the boxes that they came in. If you do, yeah, if, you, yeah, yeah. if you Google. Let's see what I'm going to just make sure I'm not crazy here. Uh, vacuum. So that's V A C U U M tube boxes. And you do an image search on that. Yeah. So if you Google vacuum tube boxes yeah. and, and switch over to the images tab, you will get a, a <coughs> quick glimpse of what I'm talking about. These things used to come in the coolest little multicolor labeled um, boxes. And I yeah. remember these vividly from when I was a little kid going to uh Ham fests with my dad. A ham fest for those unaware is basically like a flea market for radio nerds. That was very popular in the sixties and seventies. I, I guess they still have them now. Those boxes always look to me like the same as um, spark plug boxes. Yeah, they're like candy. <clears throat> yeah, but they like always had that sort of same size. You know, they were all that. You know, yeah, yeah. three inches by three inches by an inch or whatever. You know, like that kind of yeah, same definitely. Size. And there's the occasional like giant one and the, yeah, like, sure. the little baby ones. Yep. So anyway, um, <laughs> I just got a kick out of it. I mean, like just the way it says here. Um, you know, he, he writes in his listing here. Um, you know, includes all these various machines and blah, blah, blah. Uh, original cost when he bought it, or sorry, when, when GE made it in 1955, it yeah. cost them $20 million. To build the plant. To build the, the plant with all the machines. And then when <laughs> Groove Tubes bought it in 1985 from them, he spent $500,000. And now wow. the, the opening bid is $29,000. <laughs> so, yep. uh, yeah. I mean, so you, you know can, what this is? You uh, can make your own tubes for 30 grand, bro. Ten years from now, you'll be seeing original Kodak Portra <laughs> right. VC production line. Right, right. Um, Craziness, man. It's crazy. No, it's it's, it's totally nuts. The uh, yeah, that's just scary. But again, yeah. you know, it's old technology, and yes, okay, there's a place for it. Yes, there's people who fetishize it, but this is a lot of this stuff. It's it's going to be hard to hold on to because it's very complex to actually make them. You know, and it's complex to process stuff. You know, there's all kinds of films that have disappeared already. The only stuff you can really get done now is black and white E6 or C41. So black and white and color negative and slides. Pretty much. You know, there used to be all kinds of other processes there, you know, Kodachrome slides and, and, oh, yeah. and, 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 and Scala stuff and that triax. I was just talking about. Yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Sure. And it's just, it's interesting. It's, it's, I don't know. Yeah. People who are fetishists for that kind of stuff, they really need to think about it. However, you know, it's funny. Mm. Um, I was looking at a picture the other day taken with my original 5D. Mm. And I was like, wow, that really looks like a film scan. Mm-hmm. For some reason, the original 5D in some ways looked more filmic than the 5D Mark II does. Hmm. Maybe actually the better way to put it is that it looks more 35 millimeter filmic. 
you know, mm, where okay. at, at 12 megapixels, it kind of looks, that's like 35 millimeter kind of resolution, you know, mm. um, where at the point at which you're getting into 20, that's way beyond what your average 35 millimeter frame, regardless of what the film lovers think they can get out of a frame. Mm. The amount of information that's in there is much closer to approaching medium format film at that point. Um, because you know, there's things that I've printed with my camera that I would never be able to do on 35 film or even medium format film. You know, yeah. Um, but it, but it's kind of interesting to me that there these new, you know, modern digital cameras. In fact, if anything, they just look too good. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, that, we've been talking about that. That's yeah. kind of the. And, uh, and I, the you know, I went to see uh, Jay Mazel speak last week. Oh yeah, how's he doing? Yeah, uh, he's good. He's just turned 81. Wow, I didn't realize he's that old. Yeah, dude's old. Um, and he showed a bunch of his, his recent work and, 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 you know, a lot of it is, it was selects from his recent work and he walks around with one of those D threes or D three, right? That's what you guys call them. Five D D three. Right. <laughs> I'm just trying, I always forget which is the D, which the D comes first or the number comes first. Um, with the Nikon, the D always comes first. Yeah. Okay. I think he uses the, either the S or the X. I don't know if he has the, the, the low, I think it's the X. Guy like him, probably the X, right? Either the X or the S, yeah. Those are the two most recent ones. Uh, well, and he, and he's, except for the four, which just well, came out. He's got that crazy 28 to 300 <laughs> zoom, right? Right, yeah. Right, okay. Um, and so he showed off a bunch of his pictures. He shoots everything. His standard ISO is 1,600. I believe it. Um, even outside in like daylight, the only time he lowers it is if he has to. Hmm. Um, so he's shooting to print big at 1600. It's just sort of, you know, and well, probably for him in some ways it gives film um digital at low ISO, they're almost too clean nowadays. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, man. Uh 1600 actually has a little bit of I mean, I don't know about you, but I kind of like some of the the noise and artifacting that you get on the higher, not like the super high ISOs, sure. but 1600 and 3200 on my D3 they look fine. Yeah. You know? No, I, you know, I mean, they look fine in my 5D too, and yeah. 5D as well. Uh, but, you know, what I end up doing is I shoot lower, as low ISO as I can, and then I'll add grain later. <clears throat> sure. Because I, like, grain simulators and stuff have a nicer look than the noise inside of a digital file, you know? So, um, like, when we shot the, the people last week um, in the, what was that, a hotel bar, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely. That, that was pretty damn dark. It was dark. You know, um, I, in fact, I was surprised that actually the, the camera focused correctly. It was so dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was that's, shooting That's it, actually your hardest problem is getting, yeah, getting, I think focused. I was shooting at 800 just so I could get a little bit of the ambient light, you know, just so it wasn't completely just flash based. Sure. Um, but we also used strobes too. Well, yeah, we used strobes too, but, uh, it worked out well, you know, mm-hmm. definitely. Uh, anyway, so Jay showed all this, all this work off and a lot of it was, it was selects from re- uh, recent stuff when he just goes walking around the neighborhood. And he says there are days that go by where he's carrying his camera and he gets absolutely nothing. And then there are days when things really rock and roll, you know. Um, and he showed off all these pictures. And let's say 250 pictures he showed in, uh, that night. Just kept flipping through, flipping through, flipping through. A lot of pictures. Mm-hmm. Maybe there were a dozen that were like, wow, that's a really great picture. Mm. But the rest of it was just kind of like, eh. You know, like any of my friends who are competent photographers who sometimes take stuff on the street, they yeah. take stuff that good. You yeah, know, sure. It, it's, it's funny about street photography, especially it's really just a numbers game. You know, it's, I mean, it's having an eye and building it up and having experience, but like, it's about taking so much that there's stuff in there 
you know, you almost have to like it's like sifting out gold out of out of a riverbed, you know. Yeah, I would just agree keep with going that. through. There's definitely that's definitely part of it. Yeah. Some people some people do. I have met um some people who do have an innate inherent, you know, knack for it that yeah. that they can pretty much get it, you know, in a and I guess that's what makes them good at that is you know, their their ratio is particularly low. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that every every frame out of their camera is gold. But yeah. but you know the the one the hell have like a one in ten ratio as opposed to you know a one in a hundred yeah um, but it's also interesting that like a photographer like him right I mean most of his stuff is longer lenses from far away of people who don't know they're getting shot you know like that's sort of his thing yeah um, not a big fan of that myself well uh, neither am I I mean some of it's are really great pictures and whatever oh he also by the way shoots JPEG. <laughs> And he, he he does shoot raw, uh-huh. but only because the people his like people at his at his studio who do his prints for him right make him <laughs> make him do raw just so that they could you know get as much as they can out of it for the big prints whatever it is right but um, it makes me think that somebody like me who has for years been doing sort of the one on one portraits close proximity wide angle often I'm often I'm a couple feet from the people yeah talking to them the whole time yeah. It may be that I'm a lot better photographer when it comes to that kind of stuff than some famous guy who's a big street photographer or sure. landscape guy. And it's just kind of interesting how how different people ha- you know have a different specialty and it's completely different. You know, well, that shouldn't come as a shock to you. Uh, not not shock, but I mean, I think that a lot of people think that photography is photography is photography, oh and there it's it couldn't be more different. No, I, and I you know so you know coming back to my little trip this week, we visited with. Um, some family friends um well i should i should clarify um so my my grandmother lives with my aunt my dad's sister and um fairfield is this somewhat hippie-ish town and you know so naturally if you're if you're part of the community you've got you know you've got to be a little bit of a, a hippie yourself and uh we got to you know hang out with some of their friends uh who i think we've met before anyway um we got to talking about you know, hey, so what do you do? You're a photographer, blah blah blah, and you know, it's just it, it, like you say, man. You, you meet these people, and like, oh, well, what kind of stuff do you, you shoot? Because people have totally different ideas of what photography is. You know, one yep. of them, you know, one conversation will, oh, do you shoot weddings? I'm like, yes. No. Oh, do you shoot sports? No. Right. Oh, do you shoot like you know uh, concerts and stuff like that, or do you shoot models, or yep. you know, what do you, what do you do? And you know, and it's it's totally legit. I mean, there's there's you know half a dozen like primary categories of photography and then and they're within pretty those, specific and then within those there's another half a dozen each you know of sure. special areas of specialty and expertise so um yeah there's there's uh there's lots of room for everybody and that's and, and that's one of the reasons why i think um you know despite the fact that there's this this present we'll call it a, a flood or a glut of new you know new blood coming into the photo scene i think i think it's good because i think it's it's shaking things up and Forcing, forcing some of the, you know, the older, you know, boring or, you know, whatever, not working as much as it used to anymore yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. stuff, you know, out. And uh, it's, you know, it's just part, it's all part of the process. That's what I say. Yeah, no, it was, it was kind of cool. And it was, you know, it was fun watching somebody who's old school, you know, showing his work and, and, and doing new stuff. And it actually at 81 still shooting. I mean, it's, it's interesting though, how people, well, you know, everybody, people look at my work and they say, oh, this definitely, you know, that my pictures look 
like each other. You know, like it all looks like my pictures. Yeah, yeah. Um, I get that too sometimes. Yeah, and 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 that's a good thing. You know, I mean, that's the whole point, right? That you want a sort of a style. Um, yeah. It's interesting at eighty one. I mean, his pictures he they look they look like Jay Mazel pictures. I mean, of course they do, but in some re- in some ways it it's kind of makes me feel good. You know, it's funny that yeah, just because now you know. So my dad brought the camera, brought the D seventy out, and we actually did spend an hour or two just kind of walking around you know downtown fairfield which is like literally like you know two streets <laughs> it's like a, it's like you know sure i don't even know what the population of the town is it's maybe like five thousand people it's it's pretty small um and, and your it was father's just, pictures look like your father's pictures well not i mean it was just it, it brought back memories of when we used to go out you know on photo on little photo walks or shoot you know he calls them shooting sprees um at when i was a kid that's and, pretty cute yeah and uh what's funny you know so i brought my camera along too and naturally i shot like three frames with my d3 and about 50 with my camera <laughs> with my phone um and, you know and it, it it was just fun to sort of see i could you know i could see what he was doing and then the other cool thing was um since i brought my laptop with me um i introduced him to the lightroom photoshop workflow because he sure. you know he hadn't been able to do that yet so we went over you know how to do basic and and all he really wants to do he's he he uh he's kind of like me in that he wants the you know he tries to do as much as he can in camera um so the bulk of his edits were basically crops you know straightening you know little basic rotation here and there and you know the occasional color correction um but uh it was just fun to kind of go through his process, you know, kind of watch him over his shoulder. I just, you know, kind of, I tried to give him the, you know, the basics and let him, let him run with it. And it was just sort of fun watching, you know, watching the old man go through his old process again. And, you know, I would imagine, you know, it'd be funny if my dad ever got a chance to hang out with Jay Mizell and I bet you they get along. <laughs> yeah. Did, 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 did he have a good grasp on the controls? Like, was he able to use them? Oh, totally. He no, he knew, he knew exactly what he wanted, you know, that, and that's the thing. It's like when you can tell if someone's getting it based on the questions that they're asking you. Yeah. And sure. the fact that he was asking, like, you know, he knew what he wanted to get out of it. He just didn't know yeah. what buttons to push. And that's, right. he, that's he, he was trying to figure out the digital it. analog to what he used to do. Exactly. He's like, so I want to make this darker or I want to bring this out or I need to do this and that. He wasn't saying, yeah, hey, yeah. what's this button do? Or, you know, yeah, yeah. wah, 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 wah. I mean, right. It's kind of interesting. Did, yeah. would, I mean, was he excited by the fa- by the power? Um, yeah, he was. I mean, it was, it's just so funny because he's so used to waiting for computers to do things. He was impressed with how much faster my machine was than the iBook G4. Well, <laughs> yeah, but he's, he, of course. But I mean, in some ways, it's sort of like, isn't that the whole point, right? That he should <laughs> no, I know. spend a thousand bucks, get a nice new computer, and it's you'll... funny. It's just funny. Um, no, it, it is true. You know, it's funny the 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 whole photographer thing. I, I told you how I went to the dentist last week. Did I, did we get to that, or was I going um, the next day? We we. I feel I feel like we touched on it, but we didn't. Okay. You, I know you wrote that big old. You've written a couple yeah, things well, about it. Yeah, actually. we'll get into that in a second. But uh, in my dent, my new dentist's office. When I got there, it's like this new fancy modern, you know, mm-hmm. office. spaceship. Yeah, like there's literally a uh, an art gallery next door. Ooh. You know, I mean, in the bit, like on the on the floor, like what is it, you know, Chelsea. No, it's like in Midtown, like fifty four, fifty seventh. Oh, cool. Um. And so I, I go in there, and, and this this receptionist woman takes me on a tour of the office before I meet my hygienist and my dentist or whatever, mm. and uh, showing me all the new fancy things because like they do all of the uh, like building crowns and, and inlays and all that kind of stuff. They do it all there on oh. site wow. while you wait. Whoa! Basically, they have like a three D printer. So I think what they do is they take like an impression of whatever they need to do, and they actually have this thing like cuts it for twenty minutes. Amazing. 
yeah, it's pretty cool. Anyway, she was showing me all this kind of stuff and showing me around the thing. And there's all these big prints on the walls, like, you know, 30 by 40, 30 sure. by 60, like big, big prints. Sure, sure. Of, you know, candles down by, you know, from above. Maybe it was like a 9-11 memorial thing. And mm-hmm. then like the, a big picture of the gates when those things were, you know, like the usual New York stuff, right? And And the pictures were like, they're fine, but they're not good. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they were, they were like, they really shouldn't have been up in this place, right? But what if they were shot by someone who works there, like one of the partners or whatever? Well, see, that's the thing. They were, <laughs> right? <laughs> so she, she says, Dr. So-and-so, Rubenstein or whatever uh-huh. his name is. Nice. You know, is, is, so also, is, is also a, pro, a professional photographer. Of course he is. And he probably right. drives a Harley Davidson and has a Stratocaster too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it was totally like that. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I nice. was just like. You know, but I'm sitting there. I'm like, this is just so you know, nice. Uh, awesome. You know, it's it's funny. I'm a professional dentist as well as being a <laughs> yeah, professional it's photographer. Funny you should mention that. <laughs> I totally make crowns on the weekend. It's tons yeah. of fun. You know, and, you know, and it's it's and it wasn't like an avid photographer or an amateur. It was a oh, he's, he's a professional he's photographer. Pro. Oh yeah, he's professional. He's professional. Um, it just kind of oh god, it cracked me up. Anyway, yeah. so <laughs> let let me get, get into the dentist thing a little bit, sure, just because. Sure, sure. Okay, so. You you had to go get stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. We don't. I mean, we don't have to go all the way into it. But suffice <laughs> it to say, what you 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 cracked a tooth. You had to get it fixed, and then it took like fifteen different things well, for them to build the thing to let's, fix let's, it. Let's be fair. Uh, I opted for the slow but inexpensive route. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Which, which is the which is the uh, NYU Dental Clinic. Um, right. Which, for those not familiar, uh, the New York University uh, Dental School has a fully functioning like dentist office clinic facility uh, right in Midtown, where you can pretty much walk in the door, and for a hundred bucks, they'll sort out whatever you know. Like if you crack a tooth or you know something awful happens to you, you can get it sorted out pretty quickly for not a lot of money. Um, and then you know, obviously, from there you can decide how you want to proceed. And since I haven't really settled into a a big time, you know, medical insurance plan yet. Um, having recently, you know, just gone freelance. Um, I figured, you know, and I, you know, and I'm not super busy. So, you know, I figured I could, I could afford to, to, you know, to take a couple of extra visits if need be. Um, I opted in. So a couple extra know. visits. <laughs> well, so, well, the, my, my part of the problem was that, um, my, my, uh, whatever you want to call it, my, my, uh, thing, my adventure, lapsed over their uh, August holiday break, which was like two and a half weeks. So that added a couple of extra, added like an extra month to the to turnaround, unfortunately. Um, but long story short, I was, I was working with a student, you know, someone who wasn't like, you know, a fully fledged experienced dentist. Um, and so what happens is um, every single step of the process needs to get double checked by you know, a faculty member, which in this case is, you know, an old, you know, veteran dentist. And in some cases there were, you know, processes that needed to be redone or things that didn't get quite, you know, she didn't nail it on the first try and and not to my detriment. I mean, it didn't, it doesn't like it hurt, you know, she didn't do any damage or harm to me, but you know, it just cost me time, you know? So it's like, Oh, okay, well that two hour session where she spent doing this one little thing, uh, and at the end, it didn't work out. It has to be done again, you know. So yeah, okay, yeah. so you got to come back on Wednesday and and do it again. Um, and you know, it's, and it didn't cost me any any extra money. That's the other thing. You gotta you gotta um, 
understand that. I mean, I the, the the process that I got done just to sort of summarize it all up. I basically so I chipped a tooth, which resulted in a requirement. I, I had to get a root canal and a crown uh, made and installed, and I'm pretty sure that that process alone, just just you know, on, off the top, um, is you know a two to two to three visit adventure anyway you know from from anywhere you go anywhere you unless know, for, you go from, to my fancy place no but even on the like so you go there on your for the initial visit and they need to sort it out so sure, that's visit sure. one yeah. and then and then it's really rare for them to be able to do a root canal and i mean they can't put in your permanent crown on the no, same day that they do your root yep. canal so that's at least two visits right there um and then you're looking at at least geez probably two to three thousand dollars if not more Yep. So I, I basically, you know, walked out of there with the same, you know, with the same uh, process done, having spent maybe 1300 bucks. Okay. You know, like well under half. Yeah. Um, and, and again, the, the price I paid was, was the time, you know, and it took them, it took like the better part yeah. of three months from top to bottom. And, but um, you don't have, for example, the reason I brought this up in the first place is that I had pretty serious dental anxiety. Well, I, I used to. <laughs> So here's another another sort of fringe sort of side bonus benefit that I got after having to go to the dentist so many times, like sometimes as many as twice in the same week after like the sixth or seventh visit, I started to kind of get used to it. And mm-hmm. and then and then by the end of the thing, let's let's just round up and say that I, I over a three month period um, between the root canal and you know all of these, let's say I went about 20 times. Right. I know it sounds it sounds awful, but some of them, some of them were really quick and they only lasted like 45 minutes. And then, you know, the occasional one was like maybe two or three hours. But let's just say I went 20 times. Dude, 45 minutes. If you go to the dentist 20 times over the over a three month period, you're going to get used to it. You're you're going to you're going to work up your uh, your tolerance. And honestly, dude, I think that's part of the that's that's one of the best things that could have happened. Because now I'm not I'm not too wigged out by the dent. Now I and and the other thing here's another thing I was going to suggest to you. Now we could just talk about it now. Um, something I found that really helps with um, dealing with anxiety and the unknown and the whole fear thing is prescription medication. No, dude, is knowledge. <laughs> Come on, dude, it's, no, it's familiarity. No, and so you know you're lying there listening to these. And 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 I again, this is another weird little benefit of of going to the the school, the clinic. Half the time, these little consults that that my my student dentist was having with her um, faculty guy, I could I could hear what the hell they were talking about, and he was you know te- you know giving her these little suggestions and blah 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 using all these words that I wasn't familiar with and would remember and then go back home and look them up and then you know next thing you know I have a really you know rudimentary grasp of these processes sure. Sure. and and once you understand what they're up to and where they're going. And what's involved, it kind of, you know, it kind of takes yeah. some of the mystery out. And then, you know, with that, yeah, but some most of, the mystery, of my some stuff of the fear is, goes it's not, it's not a rational fear, you know, no. but so when I, the first time I went, I, you know, I went last week uh-huh. um, and they, they, you know, did a checkup, they did x-rays and I, I haven't been to the dentist in four years uh-huh. and, and, uh, and I had a tooth that was hurting and um, it turns out that I have, I have a few cavities. I have. I think three cavities that they, uh, one big one and a couple little ones. And then there's a filling that's like 20 years old that is kind of, it's okay, but it's going to cause problems. So we're going to pull it out and put an inlay in, Mm -hmm. uh, which is basically like a, like a big, like pre-made chunk of stuff that fits exactly the hole in the tooth and they cement it in. Sure. Um, and it's going to cost thousands of dollars to do all this. Sure. And it's my own fault for not going for so long. But my new dentist is this really uh, cute, very nice uh, 30-something-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. And she's a total sweetheart, and I like her. Um, 
and she gave me so i was like okay well i'm gonna have to you know i can i have drugs essentially (laughs) okay because i just i get very anxious going to the dentist wait so the dentist prescribed you the drugs yeah apparently they can prescribe so i have xanax oh sitting here so uh so she gave me just you know one for each i have to go four times so she got you have four pills in there I have four pills. I have three pills because uh-huh. yesterday or on Tuesday I went and had my first of these things. Oh, what, which, what did they do? Was it a filling? So they did uh, sort of like a double filling. It was kind of between teeth, and it's the one that I could feel, like the one that like was like, ooh, that's sensitive there. Between which two teeth? Um, upper right, third from the back, and second from the back. So f- three and four, probably. Yeah, I guess it would be. They, they um, I, I learned the teeth. I, I learned. Oh, the they tooth, number that the way. Tooth yeah. numbering, yeah. <laughs> So starting for those who, who who care the the your wisdom tooth in the upper right hand corner of your mouth that's that's number one right so and if then, you have that out then your back tooth is two is your yeah your backmost tooth so for me the tooth that cracked on me was number two okay so mine was three and four gotcha um, and then she did a full cleaning <clears throat> nowadays apparently they use this crazy ultrasonic pick do you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it shoots water out and it buzzes apparently at the tip hmm. and apparently it's really great at getting rid of plaque hmm. and you know how usually when you go get your teeth cleaned it's they like scraping. you know <laughs> yeah they, they scrape a little bit which is basically what this did it just has like this active part at the front uh-huh. um but you know how they usually just kind of do a cursory few scrapes and then they do the polishing and they're like all right you're all done uh-huh. she went at my teeth like there was gold in between them <laughs> like yeah. So, but but they gave me uh, Bose uh, noise reduction headphones to put on, mm-hmm. and uh, so I can listen to my iPod mm-hmm. and not use the in ears, which would just you know vibrate when she's drilling. Right. So I guess the, um, the over the ears were better for that, huh? The better for that, and a pair of sunglasses. What? And uh, sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, because apparently the light coming down is very bright. <clears throat> I don't know. This is this is the, this okay. is what you get for thousands of dollars. Apparently. Sure. Sure. Okay. Go for it. Um, but uh, it was it was actually the most I didn't even feel the needle go in. I mean, it's oh. not that like if I close my eyes, whatever it is, I know the I know what that feels like. Yeah, but it's the, not the like Novocaine I'm, needle is like it's just like it's, you you hurt yourself more biting your tongue. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But I didn't even so feel minor. it. Yeah, like she put it in and I didn't even feel it. And and I didn't even know she was like, oh yeah, it should be numb. And I'm like. Because they didn't go right to the back corner. They went, like, right up next to the tooth. This yeah, is all yeah. too much information for most of our listeners, probably. But, yeah, you know. But I, it, it, and, and it did such a good job. It was like, I didn't even know that it was numb before or after. But I didn't feel a thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was, you, like, as efficient the, enough. Totally. But you still, like, hear and smell and feel the pressure. Yeah, okay. But here's the thing. Yeah, felt the grinding. But they used, like, really good drills there. Apparently, they're electric <laughs> ones and not air-powered ones or something. <laughs> Air this place is like this place. Apparently, that's what a lot of them are. They're hydraulic, like pneumatic. You mean pneumatic, rather? <laughs> um, anyway, so th- I didn't even. There was none of the weird smell. Uh-huh. Um, Wait, it, no it, weird smell, dude. No, that's no that's, weird smell. I didn't. Oh, smell you know it. what? You know what must have happened because I know that sometimes they'll use the um, the, the suction thing. Yeah, the suction yeah, for the okay. smell. So they that's, they that's do that. Good. That's good technique. So basically, as good of a of a experience as I could have in uh-huh. this situation, uh, I had. Um, so that was number one. Awesome. And dude. then I've got three more. Yeah, dude, by, then, by turn number four, you'll be, you'll yeah, be a pro. W- one per turn. week. Nice. For the next three weeks. And and I was very nervous going the other day, and I took the Xanax, and that stuff helps, but I still had, like, my heart was still kind of pumping, but I didn't have all, a, lot of, a lot of the other sort of almost passing out kind of feelings, you know, those kind of things. No, sure, sure. Um, but uh, you know what? It's like, and so I wrote this big piece up on my blog explaining all this stuff. Sure. 
But the reason I bring it, I brought it up originally was that it, it, facing that fear, which actually was a pretty big fear for me. That was like one of my big phobias was I, I hate go to the dentist. Um, uh-huh. actually makes me feel better about other things that I'm scared of. It actually gives me more confidence in everyday life as it were. Is that weird? It's sort of like, this was one of the things that like really kind of freaked me out. And mm-hmm. it was one of those things where it was, it scared me so much that I didn't even consider going to the, it's not like it was like, Oh, I really should go to this. It was like, Oh, I don't even want to think about it. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. like it was this black hole singularity thing that I didn't even want to look into because it just went on forever. You know, like the, the, the doom, um, where now that now that I've been and I've dealt with it and now I can keep up with it and sort of be really anal about keeping my teeth great. Um, it it, is, is that like, it, it kind of makes me feel like uh, all the things that we're scared of as artists, which is, you know, coming up with new ideas or worried that people are going to not like your work or laugh at your work or, you know, all those kinds of things Uh or, or, or calling people and trying to sell yourself as, you know, yeah, yeah. Not calling people cold necessarily, but just no, no, I hear what being saying. able to stand up and say, hey, I'm a really great portrait photographer. You should hire me. Right. Which which to me was always felt really awkward and weird. Right. Is somehow less awkward and weird now. Right. Yeah, than you, it was you're, two you're, weeks you're, ago. What you're ta- so just to summarize, you're basically <clears throat> sharing this recent uh, it's a bit of a victory. Epiphany. Yeah. This yeah. sort of victory that's, you, you know, you've recently overcome um, a, a major, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, block yeah. that you've had and, for quite yep. some time and that feels and, good and i have momentum yeah that's great dude awesome I'm, it's just kind of it's you. it's kind of a neat uh it's a neat thing yeah, it's rare it's nice it's nice when that sort of thing happens and and you know this is uh I, i've had this long-standing you know shtick where i mentioned that that um you know we we humans you know people get stuck in these uh cycles these routines yep. these patterns which is which is fine it's perfectly normal and sometimes it takes a pretty serious bump of some sort to to break you free from the, the routine, uh, which can, in some cases, be a, a great thing, and in other cases, be a bad. You know, an example would be, uh, you know, you getting in some sort of awful car accident, you know, or you, sure. you know, suddenly getting uh, winning the lottery, or you know, getting some amazing new opportunity, and and you know, getting really lucky, you know, any anything like that. Whenever a major spike occurs. Um, I always think of it as a bend in the timeline. See, I, I, I my my favorite way of, exp- of envisioning it is is sort of like um, you know those um those seismographs, you know, like a lie detector, or you know, or like sure. a, you know, just look at the, with a needle kind of yeah, you kinda, see it as a blip. Yeah, just the, like a, the needles just kind of bouncing along up and down. There's those little peaks and valleys here and there, but every once in a while, there's a major spike. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. But I think those spikes are what you really should be striving for. Sure. Um, you should embrace them. Good or bad, because those are the things, those are the only things that are powerful enough to shake you from whatever it is that you're up to. Yeah. And ideally, if you're, if you're really lucky, you can take the bad things and make good things happen from them. And you can take the good things and make good things happen from them. Yeah. Too. You know, and one thing, one thing that I've realized, <coughs> excuse me, I have a bit of a cough. Yeah, me too. Um, is, is that, uh, I, for me, it was, I, when I was a kid, I had to go get a lot of stuff done on my teeth and that's part of where my fear came from. Right. Right. And so it, I I always felt powerless as a child, you know, having to go do this stuff and not really having any say in the matter. So that in some ways as an adult, not going was my say, you know, mm-hmm. I have the power and my power says, sure, I'm not going to go. Sure. You know, when in reality, what makes me feel better, the more I think about it is not that I have to go 
and Julie is going to drill my teeth. It's, I have to go, I have this thing, and Julie is the uh, um, uh, the auto mechanic that's going to fix the thing that's broken. Sure. You know what I mean? That, that yeah. like, I am the prime mover. Yeah. Not, I have to go, and then she's going to do something to no, me. No, it's no. like, no, I'm you, going to have yeah. her do something to me. Exactly. Um, and it's just, it's just a different way of spinning it around, and it kind of changes the way you look at a lot of things. I Dude, mean, I mean, yeah, there's, we can make, there's tons of analogies. The closest one, the first one that comes to my mind is, is the computer thing. I mean, think of how many people look at us, guy, you know, you and I, yeah. as people who, how do who they know, know all this stuff and who know how to fix stuff, you know, you know, yeah. and, and on the converse, I mean, I can, I can think of at least three people off the top of my head who are anxious about that, who like actually have, the same sort of fear and anxiety that you have about going to the dentist about yeah. their computers. They're afraid yep. that they're going to break them. They're afraid that they're going to lose their stuff. Sure. You know, and it's it just, it, that's how people are, man. That's how yep. the brain works. And, and that kind of thing though, it really is about knowledge, you know, like for that kind of thing. Um, but why can't it, why can't you just apply that everywhere across? The well, world? it is. It's just that, you know, there sometimes is pain at the dentist, but I'll put that aside for now. Sure. Um, but anyway, so it's all very interesting, and everyone's got their own little things. It's amazing. I put this up on Facebook and Google Plus and stuff, uh-huh. and a bunch of people commented, and a lot of them were like, "Oh my god, I never wanted to admit it, but I'm terrified of the dentist too." Huh. You know, like people that I was like, "Really?" You know, it just uh, I, um, I actually we met up with uh, Tony Ortega for drinks tonight. Uh huh. Um, and I, I was mentioning this, and he goes, "Oh, I, I hate going to the dentist." <laughs> Dude, you know, I don't think like, you're going like, to have a, a hard time years. finding many people who uh, don't hate the dentist. No, no, no. Absolutely. Um, but I, I Although mean, I, I, I find it's polarized. I, uh, you will either find someone who has, like you, found an amazing dentist. Oh, my God. Yeah, you have you gotta, to go to my uh, dentist. There's either that guy or the, you know, I, I'll say, let's break it down. I will, I will say two out of ten. Two out of ten people will be like, oh, my God, my dentist is awesome. And then the remaining eight will be like, oh, my God, I hate the dentist. I haven't been in years. Um, that's been yeah. my experience. And and it, it's – but, I mean, then there's other people, you know, my friend who's afraid of wet paper <laughs> or my other friend who's afraid of standing up on chairs. Right. Apparently standing on chairs of, is terrifying for styrofoam. her. Styrofoam. She's afraid of, like, the, the, the white – Who is? My, you, won't, you don't know her. Um, okay. She's got the, the, the peanuts, like the styrofoam oh, yeah, peanuts yeah. and the, the white stuff that like TVs and stuff compact in, like those, pre, those pre-molded pieces, like just yeah. the sound, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just funny to me that – or p- public speaking, right? That's a big common one. I personally don't – I mean, I get a little nervous, but yeah, I kind of like it once I get up there. I don't mind so You know, much. if I'm relatively prepared. Yeah. But some people are terrified of getting up in front of other people. I think I'm um, afraid of it, fire. It's just <laughs> – the whole well, the whole idea of just fears in general is just fascinating to me. It's like phobias are starting to be – I'm starting to find it really interesting. Yeah. Um, it, uh, speaking of a uh, quick tech thing before we wrap up here, uh-huh. uh, two things. Number one, I uh, I was thinking about moving my desk across the apartment. Ooh, um, I, I know. Big where? Deal, right? Which, wait, which, <clears throat> to where your bookshelves are and shit? Uh, probably over towards that front window. Yeah, maybe. Nice. Does and, that fireplace uh, work in your apartment? Yes, it does. In fact, we used it the other day, and uh, the things would not quite go out. Like the coals were just kind of sitting there because I actually used wood wood the other day. Uh huh. Um, and our apartment was smoky for like three days just cause like the, the, <laughs> right. the, the fumes coming off of it as sure. it cooled, you know? Sure, sure. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yes, the fire, the thing does work, uh-huh. but I wanted to be able to move the thing over there, but I didn't want to have to run cat five cable all the way around the room. Sure. When are you going to so, fire that sauna up, by the way? I miss that thing. With the witch thing? The sauna. I have a sauna. Oh, see, they don't know that you don't have a sauna. Oh, 
You totally oh, blew it. Oh, oh yeah, the sauna. <laughs> I have a friend who actually. I, I have a friend who has a steam room. Actually, I, do, I just the guy the the hippies that I was talking to last night. The guy built his own sauna in his backyard, and we went we went out and sweated our balls off for ah. an hour. It was pretty amazing, dude. One hundred and seventy degrees. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was awesome. I um, could, I could go for that once in once in a so, week. So I was going to move it across the room, yeah. and but that means I need Wi Fi. Oh god! And Hackintoshes oh, don't right. have Wi-Fi. Sure, sure. Wi-Fi and Bluetooth are a pain in the butt with that. Thing. Right. Actually, Bluetooth isn't that bad. You can get these little tiny USB dongles. That oh, right, just right. Work. Like little, I have sure, one. Sure. It literally yeah, costs like seven dollars. Yeah, yeah. The D-Link thing. one used to be the one of right. choice back in the day. The thing is, is that I have no real need for Bluetooth because I don't use a Bluetooth keyboard or mouse. Right. And you know, now after talking to Mossman, you don't want to touch Bluetooth. Exactly. <laughs> um, However, uh, I want Wi-Fi. So th- apparently what people do is they make these little PCI Express uh, to uh, PCI Mini PCI, which is like that weird uh, uh, no- notebook standard. Essentially what the airport cards are. Oh, sure. You know? Okay. So they make basically a card that goes in a slot in your desktop that has a little slot on it for one of those airport cards. Sure. And then it's got three little antennas out the back that plug onto the airport card to sure. the little antenna sure, sure. nubs. So apparently you do this all via eBay. <laughs> and the as long as you have the right Broadcom chipset, uh-huh. the Hackintosh will see it as just as the a Wi-Fi, native, as an yeah. airport yeah, native yeah. card. Sure. So uh, the the little card you plug everything into, the little PCI, is $7.99. Ships from, ships from Hong Kong nice. with the antennas. Nice. Right? Sure. The little Broadcom card uh-huh. $22 sweet so for 35 bucks I ordered the parts to build like a 802.11n yeah Wi-Fi thing for Combo my card. for my yeah. desktop so I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of psyched that's kind of a neat little thing that I'm doing neat and I'll let you guys know how it goes because most people just don't bother with Wi-Fi on, on the on the Hackintosh sure unless you're dealing with a laptop yeah the, it, it's, it's ten, but that's sometimes actually it's easier. which is funny because that's I remember now when the Hackintosh thing first came out, the the Wi-Fi chipset was like part of the determining factor about which yes, which machine which ones you would were choose. The good ones to go. Yeah, yeah, and and the, apparently the kernel extensions that add support for other chipsets cause a lot of problems. I wouldn't surprise. So yeah, it doesn't people surprise me. you know because it's sleep issues. Yeah, and all yeah, that kind all of kinds of crazy. So things. I you know most people just don't touch them. Uh-huh. Um, so there's that, uh, which is kind of cool. And then a uh, little thing, I got one of those Epson R three thousand printers. Oh, little, <laughs> that thing is huge. Well, I mean, it's it's big. It's not huge. So I would it's, say it's, it's what about the same size as your HP was, right? Uh, it's a little bit bigger, actually. Yeah, give or take ten percent. Yeah, I still gotta sell that HP. I, I mean, people are selling them for two hundred bucks on eBay. So sell it I on can, eBay. I know, but I, I don't really have the original box and stuff. So put, I was put it in the Epson box. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for somebody who wanted it for like one hundred and fifty. Right. Well, so if anybody Craigslist. who listens, uh, I was gonna put it on Craigslist, but if anybody or any of our listeners are interested, let me know. It's a good printer. Um. How you like and it? So, uh, I like it. Um, I'm having a little bit of a problem getting a match to the skin tones I get on screen, mm. and I don't know if it's me or if it's um, the drivers. You know, because it's kind of like the initial Lion driver. Which, by the way, you plug the printer in and it automatically goes online and gets the driver. Yeah. Right? Does it does it download all the right paper and ink profiles though? Okay, but see the thing is that I've I okay. you might need to install those like download those from Epson manually. No, no, no. And re-put them I, you it it gives you all the Epson ones, and I've gone and gotten all the Red River ones, which are the papers that I use. Uh-huh. Um, and I've also tried on the on the HP. I got really good results 
just using like printer managed or printer managed color. Yeah. And then just telling it like basically what style of paper. So if it was, yeah, you gloss, know, if I was using, gloss, sure. yeah. So yeah. if I was using some luster paper and it was pretty close to this HP one, I would just use the built in thing, which just told how much ink it puts down and the printer deals with everything else. True. And I was getting prints that I was happy with that. I didn't go crazy with custom profiles. Okay. Um, this one, it's like I can't get the skin tones quite right. I mean, look, if, if you weren't looking at the picture on screen and you had no other reference. Right. It would look great. The, the pictures look great. Um, but they're not quite a match. And it bothers me because my screen is dead on. And right. I want the printer to be as close to that as possible. Well, you know, you, so I can trust what I'm doing. You sh- it, worst case, you can always <laughs> just make a custom printer profile. Okay. For well, it. here's the thing. I got the profiles for the paper that I use on my printer. Like, not my particular printer, but, like, you know, they do... Sure. They did R3000 profiles for those sure. things. Um, and it looks almost identical to the printer-managed color with no profile. Uh-huh. So, it's not like, oh, it's getting closer or it's different. It's almost identical, which makes me think that, I don't know, maybe I'm doing something else wrong. Not I'm doing something else wrong, but, like, maybe something's wrong with my monitor system. You know? Mm. Could be. But my, but my, but my things, I just... I calibrated today and my delta e is point zero point six you mm. know it's like unbelievably good yeah but so that, it's kind of like just half of it though man i mean you, you know you need to you can have the the nicest looking monitor in the world if but if it doesn't you know match up to your printer you yeah, know. yeah yeah but i mean but if the monitor is showing me accurate quote unquote then what am i doing that's getting inaccurate on the way to the printer mm. you know well that, I mean, not, that's, that's, not all printers can do that though you know that's no i i know but this is a nearly brand new almost top of the line you know printer this is a good printer i know so it's not like it's you know i hear you i mean it's, it's not a color gamut issue it's more of just a, a match issue no, and i can't a, figure a, it out yeah it's a tuning i'm telling you it's a profile thing you just need to monkey with it tomorrow maybe and you know so i, I have a call out to a guy i know who does uh what's it called for epson does uh profiles uh, workshops and stuff oh cool so i figured like maybe he'll have an answer Anyway, just interesting yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, worst case, if you get your hands on... Uh, I've had custom ones done by people before. Yeah, like you get what is it, the densitometer or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then you basically print out a chip a chip sheet, yeah. you know, and then you yeah. scan that in, and then that tells, you know, the computer. I had a guy make them for my old Canon uh, die printer, the 9900 I had. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's fine. I yeah. mean, again, the, the, what's weird about it is that I really like the HP ones, the mm-hmm. prints, um, and I printed out a picture today of that uh, of Lux laying with the you know pink dress and the naked people mm-hmm. and I actually put it next to a quick print I did on the old printer before I unplugged it all a few days ago yeah. and you know what they're really really close to the point where it's like okay well maybe it's just the way I'm looking at it differently that's actually changing it that, I mean they are different printers they're not going to look no, identical no, no no they are almost identical which makes me think that they're both that, that maybe the Epson's not actually off that much printing mm-hmm. because if the two of them are identical yeah. or nearly identical, then they're probably in the same ballpark, right, of accuracy. That, that'd, be, that'd be my take on it. Yeah. So so I'm just kind of – I'm playing with it. So I got more information, but interesting uh, little uh, thing. It's using a lot of ink already, though. Mm. And I don't know if that's just because this one well, you know, is, has to charge the tubes. It's also its initial run, right? Exactly. So yeah. So I don't, yeah, I don't know how that see works. See how it goes over time. Yeah. So anyway, just interesting. I mean, I'm sure there'll be more comments going forward, but indeed, it's good stuff. Indeed. Anything else? I'm tired. <laughs> okay. Well, you go to bed. We got to get up in the morning and shoot anyway. That's true. <clears throat> um, 
So if you want to get a hold of us, circuitous.tv, circuitousconversations at gmail.com, uh, at Bill Wadman, at Dan Gottesman on Twitter. Yes. And that and, uh, anything else? Sums it up. You, know, you can go to iTunes and uh, oh, right. go to iTunes. Give rate, us review, uh, recommend, rinse, repeat, other so, R words. Some guy on uh, the Google Plus said that he, uh, he really likes our podcast. Oh, that's great. Somebody <laughs> commented on the dentist thing. Really? Yeah. I wonder if there's been any uh, new iTunes reviews. I don't know. We'll go check it out after. We will. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll definitely get a guest next week. I just got to figure out. We just got to get him on the horn. Yeah. We thank you for your patronage. Your, yes, we do. Yes, your call is very important to us. <laughs> All right, so go subscribe, go give us reviews, and we will see you next week. Yes.